Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Higongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about Tory Pudwell's Bigger Bang and some spot politics. Just when we thought the fireworks were over, Tory Pudwell hit us with a new 12-minute part entitled Bigger Bang, a nod to his Plan B part from 11 years ago entitled Big Bang. Patrick, did this part, in fact, bang bigger? Um, I actually had to go back and rewatch the original Big Bang and see where it all came from. Tory Pudwell was one of those guys I wasn't really checking for back in the day. And especially now with him doing Thank You with Day One, his ongoing work with Grizzly, the little shop up on La Brea. I was like, okay, if you're doing a skateboard podcast, you can't just keep ignoring people. <laughs> Although I do think I follow him on Instagram. Anyway, um, I re- did remember, though, that I really liked the fact that he skates the inside of ledges and that it definitely looks like he... I know he's got the, was it the crazy arms, crazy hands, the safety hands is what it's called. Um, but I think that's kind of cool, almost endearing, really. Anyway, uh, with regards to this new part, I was surprised. I was like, 12 minutes, dog. It's actually more like eight and four minutes of, I guess you'd call it the credits after Black, um, a little bit of behind the scenes stuff. But a few things really stand out. Um, first of all, that back 360 down the, the 11th, there's something about it was a, not the simplest trick of the whole joint, Definitely not the hardest, but there was something about that was just so nice. I don't know, back threes downstairs are really, they, are, they look terrifying. 360s are terrifying in general, but just to do that down a big set of stairs always looks cool. Of course, uh, the now highly Instagrammed and regrammed uh, back lip inside the fountain, or the ledge dancing out of that trick. Actually, the, one of the cooler things was the kickflip from 50-50 on the bench, just like somewhere in Hollywood, just somewhere on Hollywood Boulevard, and Musk kind of coming out and giving him a big hug. Yeah, it was like a very like, kind of feel-good thing. I guess there were some interesting things in terms of like outfits like that. And I think uh, Tommy Barker, one of the homies from Skate Twitter, put it best in a tweet. Vans, Nikes, and Adidas. A Sheckler, then a Wes Kramer clip, Lil Wayne, Real Madrid, and Barcelona jerseys, and no day one. This part is absolute chaos. And guess what? I'm here for it. Jason, what about you? Oh, speak Real quick, speaking of the guest skater, shout out Tony Tave, who's still out there doing it. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I haven't thought about that guy since uh, since it's time since it's time drop. But yeah, I I too went back and watched the first Big Bang video. I guess if we want to talk about how it changed the course of videos forever, I guess it might have been the first like solo video part or whatever. I think it was also the first part that had like six minutes of skating and four minutes of credits. Like started that whole shit. <laughs> it definitely wasn't the first solo part. I I feel like Day One or P Rod was was yeah the first to do that wait wait wait, yeah, wait, wait. I, Kalis and mono the Kalis arranger yeah K, yeah yeah Kalis and mono yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. mean that would probably be the, the first one yeah but that's yeah. like speaking of the like, internet uh, era yeah in the internet era and anyway yeah going back and watching the first three bang it was like damn like it's funny how shit kind of like gets lost in the sands of time because like the shit he was doing in that video in a way it's like more futuristic than the shit people are doing now like like switch flip crook grind switch you know big flip out blah 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 all that kind of you know ledge flip shit like he backside tail slid this like uh whatever forehead high ledge and he might be underrated i think i think templeton mentioned in the notes or patrick he might be underrated just because of like how good he's been for so long but the thing is like he's not a style guy you know what i mean he's not like a nate jones or jason lee no He's kind of like the opposite. Like those guys, they they can do like four or five tricks, but it's you know it's all the style thing. He can do like every trick, but style's not style's not that great. So you know it's all up to your personal preference, I guess. Plus, yeah, this style of skating 
is not like super current, like the, um, you know, traditional progressive ledge skating, kind of like the primitive video. It would fit in really well on primitive, actually. What's if he hadn't if he wasn't doing his own thing with uh, day one, of course. You you touched upon something there, Jason, that he would fit in really well on primitive. And what's interesting is that this style of skating is kind of making a comeback after being dominated for the last decade by a much simpler, steezier, more lo-fi type of skating. And I'm wondering for the both of you, Thrasher in their caption for Bigger Bang said that the original Big Bang changed the course of skate parts forever. But, you know, in preparing for today's show and looking at the timeline, it felt kind of like this video came at the tail end of a certain type of era and right at the beginning of another one, the other one being the Bronze 56K, Palace, uh, Lo-Fi, cherry. you know, Cherry, uh, repeated tricks, cool filming, interesting B-roll. Like there was a huge culture shift that was kind of happening at the same time. And it feels weird. Like, did this really change the course of skate parts forever? Or was it the last in a great line of, you know, very over the top, you know, high wire type of skating, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could certainly uh, make that argument. Like, I think the first video came out in 2012 and 2011, 2011. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My bad. Which was, you know, right before all that shit started, like bronze, Jenkum, Cherry coming out, blah, blah, blah. Like, there was a bunch of shit on the internet about all that shit, you know, 10th anniversary and whatnot. So, yeah, I guess you could say it was, like, the tail end of that type of, like, super tech, like, over-the-top, really hype, you know, kind of Ty Evans-type production. I, I don't think Ty Evans had anything to do with this one, but, like, you know what I mean? That whole vibe. So, yeah, you can certainly make a case for that. And, like, he's still been, you know, put, taking it to the limit. You know, oh. to the so, and that's why I have like mad respect for him because he didn't change his shit up at all. Nope, didn't change up the way he dressed. Like he still looks like it's like two thousand and nine. You yeah. know, except for the shoes. Shoes are a little, you know, a little newer. Yeah, this is true. There's no more. He didn't keep any DVS like uh, on ice. <laughs> Which he is keep t- <laughs> he didn't keep a ten year supply of DVS on ice. <laughs> Just like in a temperature controlled warehouse. So yeah, the, yeah. Rubber, the rubber doesn't break down. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have mad respect for this guy. I mean, he's just been like pushing to the limit. The one, the one thing I don't like that I hate, I hope this isn't a trend, is the footage of him getting injured. I just think that's just bad vibes. Yeah. Like, just, I, I just think there's no need to put that kind of that shit in there. I agree with that big time. So then question for both of you is, looking at this bigger bang part, framing it against the original big bang, and seeing where skateboarding has been over the last 11 years, I feel like I am much more receptive to a bigger bang and Tori Pudwill's kind of skating now than when the new thing was just coming in. Not to say that I'm tired of bronze or the antics over at Jenkum or anything like that, but there's something about this type of, my goodness, like the amount of thought that went into every single trick, right? The amount of like the precision. I mean, just like watching the way that he has to contort his body to do that type of ledge dancing, to do combo tricks. It just, it's almost like a... It's almost like like getting like a bit of like a fractured memory coming back to you. like you're misremembering things, but it's more beautiful than you remember. Um, am I am I on another trip right now? So it's like so it's like an acid flashback. Exactly, from, uh, like <laughs> some residual <laughs> like like uh, molecules in your brain like hitting. But uh, yeah, it's safety hands. I think I don't know if it was someone on Twitter or something or on the or on Slap Shout out Slap, but someone said yeah, he looked like one of those like inflatable man things like at a used car dealership. <laughs> Wow, Which I feel like that's to. a little disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of over the top. But I guess you have to do that shit with their arms to like balance on that shit. 
and the shit, the, the ledges and the shit that he stands on for so long. That like that, uh, which we call it the front side, blunt side of like 30 feet or something out of control. Just like the yeah. back tails, his back lip slides. I mean, that's the thing. Maybe that's the thing that I'm latching onto the fact that to contort your body in that way and to do as much safety hands and flexing your core. It's almost like, uh, his core has got to be shredded. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> yeah. Standing on, on slides for that long. has got to shred your core. Is that going to be like the new workout? Everyone's going to be like, yeah, I'm just like doing a lot of crunches. Uh, I got into, uh, you know, getting into Pilates just so they can do long manuals like day one and long tail slides and blunt slides. Like, yeah, it's like, like well, they, 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 like they tell you when you deadlift to, um, like hold your breath because it stabilizes your spine. You know, maybe standing on, you know, 30 foot backside tail slides is the same way. Uh, I think you just uh, unleashed a new it's workout. Just, Jason, you got to get out to California and uh, <laughs> it's just like, hey, get on the, like, get on to the, <laughs> the Jason from Frozen and Carbonite program and teach you oh, how yeah. to do long back lips. Yeah, he sure likes to back lip stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. I mean, that's like a, a staple he returns to uh, as I rewatched Big Bang. There were definitely a lot of long back lips and it was interesting watching Big Bang and comparing it to Bigger Bang and seeing tricks like his ender was a hard flip over a picnic table in Big Bang. And then in Bigger Bang, one of the last tricks was the kickflip 360 over the picnic table. And then like, I think, what did he do? Like a very heel flip manual over the rail at like Fabulous Frost. And then in the new part, it was Nolly flip to manual. Like it was interesting kind of like, it, meant it must have been intentional to go back to those spots and kind of pay homage to himself, which is kind of kind of interesting. But skaters like revisit the same spots over and over again, just naturally out of like where they live and what they like to skate. So maybe it wasn't all that Absolutely. thought out. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I think he's one of the few people who can get away with paying homage to himself. And what's interesting is thinking about his big bang part was with plan B and now he's doing his own thing with thank you is trying to frame his career against that of, uh, you know, was this plan B 2.0 or 3.0? Oh, man. Um, he was, was on, yeah, he was 2.0. Okay. So just thinking about, just thinking about his time on plan B and how, God, they had an incredible roster and it never quite delivered in the way that the original plan B did. And maybe nothing could, ever could. And yet, like, the talent was all there. You, you would might even be able to argue, and uh, Lightning might strike me at this very moment for saying that that Plan B reboot might have actually been better than the original, right? In terms of the quality and the talent of the team. Whoa, hey, hold on. No <laughs> way. No. Um, all right, wait. So we're wow. Cool shit. <laughs> wait, let's, 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 let's uh, circle back for a second. So I think... <laughs> I think the plan when like when Paul Rodriguez and them started playing B again, I think that was 3.0. 2.0, I think was the one when like Danny and Colin brought it back with uh, Brian Emmers and shit. I think that was 2.0. Okay. The Revolution era, oh, yeah, they... it, yeah, yeah, Revolution era. So I think you could consider that 2.0. Yeah, because they then... bought the name. It was like some ridiculously low amount of money because the original na- trademark had not been registered properly, so they bought it for a pretty paltry. Yeah, sum. yeah, yeah. I heard that. So, yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, I mean, the, if you think about, I mean, it's up there. Like, who was on that team? It was like uh, Paul Rodriguez, PJ, Danny Way, Colin, Ryan Gallant, who was a Brian beat. Wenning, Darrell Stanton, P Rod. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of the day, like that era, yeah, the talent was the same. But I mean, 
didn't have the same juice as the originals. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's hard to, yeah, I don't think anything will ever have the same juice as like, uh, like Carol, Danny Way, Sheffy, Rick Howard. Yeah, it wasn't like the new plan B wasn't what the original plan B was as far as being groundbreaking and I don't know, setting the world on fire. Like you just can't, you can't go back. Like you have to always keep progressing. Like if they wanted to do a super team, they should have called it something other than plan B. And then maybe it would have been something better than the original plan B. But just by calling it plan B, you're going to compare it to the original and it's never going to be as good as the original. Mm. But, you yeah, know, like, yeah, but blueprint quick, never going, be the same, like blind, any of those companies. Like, yeah. Going back to the, um, like doing tricks at the same spots type shit. He might've been trying to like, just craft like a classic video part. Cause like on, I was looking through his Instagram one caption, he said, you know, when I was, he was talking about being a kid, just like watching video parts and our pros would like film for years before they dropped the part, shit like that. So maybe he was trying to, you know, posit it like, you know, in the play me videos, like Mike Carroll and Danny Way or whatever, would always try to one up themselves. Not by necessarily going to the same spots. They might do that a couple of times, but you know, they would, especially from virtual, I mean, from questionable to virtual, you know, they try to one up themselves and shit. So maybe there is some of that shit going on. Right. I mean, that's like a classic move for any pro, you know, you backlip the 10 stair and in the next part you backlip the 12 stair and just, you know, it's like dudes have their tricks. Look at Reynolds and the front side flips throughout his career. Oh, it keeps going up and up and up until a certain <clears> point. So then thinking about this part, at this point in his career, skating to Sinatra's My Way, the very end, I got to wonder, is this it? Is he saying goodbye in a way? It felt a little bit like that, but he's skating at such a level that he can, like, he's got no reason to say goodbye. You know, he could put out three or four more video parts. Mm-hmm. He's got a million Instagram followers. So you just keep, keep on going until the wheels fall off. But yeah, people come back from ankle injuries like that. I mean, I don't think it was... Just judging from the fact he was always he's able to say like, oh, I think I broke my leg, you know. Yeah, people come back from stuff like that, especially since he has an Instagram, you know, like Temple has said, cool million Instagram followers. Like he could just put out like, you know, door tricks or whatever and just, you know, kind of like a day one type of thing, get coverage based on that. He doesn't have to go, you know, go out and try to film like hammer after hammer after hammer. And yet anymore. Thinking about day one, because day one is interestingly absent from this. Uh, you know, Daywan was just on that Adidas tour in the Midwest, and that video dropped last week. 22 minutes with no music, and a decent amount of Daywan filmed outside of the South Bay area of Los Angeles. And I feel almost like them two should just go hard in the paint and just one last hurrah. Because I love Daywan, but there's nothing I love more than Daywan and others. There was an Adidas trip some years ago where he was skating in London, and Thinking back about watching Day One as a teenager in the 1990s, 2000s, you know, you almost feel like you got robbed not having more Day One footage from outside of his area where he excelled. But I would have loved to see, I've said this a million times, would have loved to see Day One New York, Day One DC, Day One in Barcelona, that kind of thing. But I feel like those two, like, thank you is in this kind of interesting space because they're two, there's two skaters that a lot of people love and also two skaters who have managed to cultivate really unorthodox followings on Instagram, almost like influencer-like in the most social media traditional kind of sense, but these guys are hardcore skaters, you know? They have given so much to the industry. They've given so much to the act of skateboarding. You know, this is not, uh, these are not your typical YouTuber, TikTok, 
or Instagram skaters, and yet they command the same type of presence. Millions of followers who are just hyped to see Daywan with his trucks rattling like crazy, or Tori Pudwell doing a very long lip trick, or you know, nose or tail slide. So I guess I wonder, like maybe just like one more, and then the two of them just focus on the business thing for a while. I mean, like they've been doing. Thank you. I mean. They're out there, seen them in shops, I see kids skating the boards, and obviously Grizzly is on another level in terms of the grip tape game. But just one more, one more. Well, yeah, well, first of all, going back to the day one, just skating spots around his house shit, I think that was his mystique, right? Like, he only skated spots that you could, like, throw a football from his house and hit. Except for, like, Torrance, he skated those Torrance ones a lot, and uh, Penny Saver. But, yeah, I think that was part of day one's whole mystique, like, he only skated spots in, like, the South Bay or whatever. For the most part, but um, don't forget they have David Reyes, who's um a beast. So you know the fact that they that they got another young ripper, they might come out with a you know proper thank you skateboarders video mm-hmm. at I, some point. Which I would definitely watch. I would definitely peep that. They're they're kind of in an interesting place in which there's a it's an it's an interesting place to be as an established skater who is starting something new. Which is people are waiting to see what are you going to do, and they're not waiting with the anticipation that they're going to hate it they're they haven't prejudged it like they're kind of in a pretty good position like who who are some other established skaters who have companies that are in this space like you know we talked about sci-fi i feel like them like if sci-fi put out a video people be like all right let's see what you got yeah i mean i i think jerry sue is is one of those like kind of unfuckwithable skaters like we're just, we're gonna go wherever he takes us same with with day one i don't know about Tori like on his own although like grizzly grip you know certainly a lot of people are along for that ride i think brian anderson would have been one of those people if he'd stuck with 3d you know we, we rode along with alex olsen as long as he wanted to drive uh, <laughs> he's parked at the beach now so we, we we're all hitchhiking to or taking the limo to the next spot some wait <laughs> wait what, what was the question again like what kind of like pro from that from that generation would like fit in and thank you or something or was the was something else oh no more no who what other pros could do a brand and that we would just follow blindly oh a a brand yeah that's tough man there's so much shit out there like uh well uh, tj obviously that's um you know that that's still up in the air Mm -hmm. it's hard it's like it's, it's once you i think mark johnson I think that there was genuine curiosity in business and company. And we're not really sure what the status of uh, the company is uh, for a whole number of reasons. I think a big one being supply chain issue. Uh, I seem to remember reading that that was one of the big challenges for, for them. It seemed like it was going to go someplace and they have, you know, they had Deshaun. But anyway, it's, it's hard. It's like it's a fleeting thing you, to have that type of attention. Yeah, it is because I, I don't think people are really that interested in business and co anymore. And same with 917. It's like, you got to care at least as much as we do about your own brand. And if you, if you don't, if you don't care, why should we care? Well, I mean, they're still doing it. They're running out of uh, Baker Boys. Go business and company? Oh, no, 917. Oh, 917. Well, that's good. I mean, it's, it's stability. So basically, there's a platform. Alex, we're waiting. Anytime you want to get back in the car, we'd like to see where you want to go. But back to Tori Pudwill being in this kind of interesting space with grizzly like is there a part of you that wonders like why not just chill and live off grizzly for a minute just do that why not just do a grizzly brand why the decision to go and decide to start something brand new with a partner like date one he'd already shown he was successful on his own doing grizzly grip tape 
why not just you know build a whole grizzly empire i think it's smart because it's like grizzly's grip you got a whole team all those dudes ride for other board companies it's kind of like how they made lakai instead of making Crail tap shoes or girl chocolate shoes look how successful lakai is compared to zoo york shoes or element shoes or habitat shoes you know like i think brands should stay in their lane and it, you know i think brands should stay in their lane i, I don't have anything else to say about it yeah I, I, yeah i also think i might be wrong here but i think grizzly might be under like the diamond the diamond umbrella in some form or fashion so you know there's that part of just like starting your own thing but i i think thank you somehow under dwindle as well i don't know I mean, it's it's a challenge. You know, it's very interesting being on a podcast talking about skateboarding. And then, you know, I have never run a, a business, sort of a little bit of consulting work. And that is excruciating. The handful of times I've had to chase people down for money. My goodness, I understand why people would call it a mafia. I can't imagine running a whole ass business. And, you know, it, it would I think it would behoove a lot of us to have a little bit more sympathy for, for people who decide to start skate companies. That said, it feels like Thank You is doing the right thing. They're, they have a lane. They're dedicated to it. They're not pushing too far outside of it. I don't love the graphics, but at this point, do I really care? Like, the, those graphics aren't for me. Yeah, I thought the Big Bang graphics were fine. You know, like, not too childlike or immature or whatever not whack they're just fine oh did they drop like boards to go along with the video part or some shit yeah that was a whole website oh yeah i saw yeah yeah that's crazy like bigbangvideo.com or something like that oh yeah yeah big, big problematic light for that like if any of you are trying to watch that on a work computer please don't <laughs> oh you got flagged or it's blocked on your work computer <laughs> i wouldn't even try <laughs> I wouldn't even try. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't even. Don't don't even think. It. I was like, somebody passes. What you looking at? Bigger. I mean, granted, you're the bigger. You're working from home, but let, let's say you're in an office and you're like you're typing a bigger bang dot. Come on, dog. Yeah, like back to the graphics real quick. The uh, yeah, some of the early graphics were really like weird, like really like like uh, out there. But you know, like like we always say, like target market for skating is like twelve to nineteen or whatever. You know, so. Far as that goes, that's doing pretty good. But um, real quick about the music, I think I like this video part more the second time because the first time around, I was just tripping out on like how over the top the music supervision was, like uh, like that Elvis song, and then the fucking that Florence and the Machine song, which sounds like it should be in like a Game of Thrones trailer or something, you know, like a trailer for some type of like super dramatic HBO show or um, and then My Way. The, the Sinatra version, not the Sid Vicious version. I think someone's already used the Sid Vicious version, actually. Probably. Somebody in, like, uh, the Piss Drunks Baker accent. Yeah, it has to. Yeah, it has to, yeah that's what I'm has thinking, to too. Ha- has to be. I think I think skateboarding needs a Rat Pack. Who would be skateboarding's Rat Pack? The Rat Pack? <laughs> uh, we, we need, like, a sophisticated. It's like, it's like, hey, how you doing? We're going to go out to Vegas. We're going to go um, skate some ledges. The Rat Pack? That was, that was like, a Girl Chalk, right? In the 90s. That was the Rat Pack. I guess so. Wow, you're right. R.I.P. Right? Keenan. Yeah, recipes Keenan. Like, yeah, they were like, you know, they could do the no wrong. And, yeah, they could do no wrong. They were in the club and whatnot. They were like the coolest guys. Yeah, everyone wanted to be them. Everyone, you wanted. They looked the best. They had the best clothes. They always seemed like they were having a good time. Yeah, they all had like you know individual personalities or whatever. So yeah, I think if anyone, you know, besides like you know Hasoy and you know the whole Hasoy team thing, yeah, it was probably like Girl Chalk in the mid '90s. 
Yeah, I think that tracks. You know, just like peak sophistication at every hour of the day. So hard-hitting question, what does what does Tori do next? What does Thank You do next after this? Like, this was nice. Like, a, a, a nice long part for the summer. This would definitely be playing in some shops. Okay, what next? Yeah, well, well, first of all, like I said, like, I definitely liked it more the second time because I can kind of appreciate the tricks and not just be like, you know, blown away by the, how, uh, you know, over the top the music was. I mean, uh, the, whole, the whole thing is like a lot to take in. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the shoes changing, which is like so weird. Yeah, the music, the like false endings. Yeah, like you got to watch it at least twice just to fully get it. Yeah, which is rare. Like I'm sure, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I don't watch a whole lot of stuff twice these days. No. <laughs> no, we're just like, no. But uh, what's next? Yeah, like I said, like David Raya's got to, you know, he's kind of like in his window. I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if they added another AM at some point. Yeah, they need to kind of grow the company. We need, I think I'd like to see everybody. I'd like to see Daywan's bigger bang and uh, David Reyes doing a bigger bang. God, that sounds funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, video parts from the team, you know? Yeah, maybe they could get uh, that Carlos Zarazua guy. Yeah. If I'm pronouncing his name right, he was always like a Tori uh, like disciple. Maybe, maybe a little bit more Lil Wayne footage. I kind of would have. More Lil Wayne footage. <laughs> Wheezy F Baby exclusive tracks. That's pretty sick to have a little Wayne guest trick in the part. And yeah, not a, that's, and not a corny that's pretty one. tough. Yeah, street trick. Imagine going street skating with a little Wayne. <laughs> he's like, no, yeah, he's he's not at like like the private compound or whatever, or his nope. private compound in Miami or whatever. It's like, yeah, he's in the streets, dude. I would be starstruck if Lil Wayne pulled up to just like a, a curb spot. That would be amazing. You think can Lil Wayne slappy? I don't know. Yeah, like Lil, Lil Wayne shows up to the turnaround. Yo, Wheezy F. Is that what you guys call that spot? Yeah, that yo, Wheezy F baby, come through. Kevin Horn will Kevin Horn and Adam will film you. It's gonna be lit. Sick. Oh, one thing about the shoe, the shoe changing, it got me thinking, like everybody or like lots of people have a quiver of boards, you know, like different sizes and shapes and setups for like doing tech shit or like big gap or whatever. But I was wondering if people ever have a shoe quiver and they're like, oh, like I wear these for some tech flip shit, these for some hammers. And most people can't really switch it up too much because they have like a shoe sponsor, but Tori can wear whatever shoes he wants. So he can, he can really select the perfect shoe for each trick. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, I mean, theoretically, it would probably be good to like, if you're doing some like flip in, flip out shit, you could wear like a slimmer type of bulk type shoe. If you're like jumping down stuff, you could wear like a dunk or something. With like some more padding, you know. But back to uh, back to the gear real quick. Couple notes. Like he had this really dope camo sweater at one point. He was skating some ledges. If anyone could ID that, let me know. Yeah, like Pat- Patrick noted, he's wearing Real Madrid and Barcelona jerseys, which I'm told is a big no-no. I don't know if it's so much a big no-no. It's just confusing. <laughs> I mean, in Spanish football, yes, absolutely a huge no-no. Uh, they are the biggest rivalry in La Liga, but. You know, if you think about it, if you frame it the way that a lot of uh, a lot of people in hip hop space, hip hop fashion, will rock ball caps from teams in cities that they've never visited, it's kind of like on the same. It's kind of like on the same tip. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it's it's kind of like wearing like a Dallas Cowboy jersey and a Giants jersey, exactly in the same part, but like it doesn't. You know what I mean? It's not not really that serious. Yeah. Also, and, yeah. Oh, go on. <laughs> yeah, like actually. You know, everyone always talks about the Red Bull hat, this and that, but uh, 
is kind of funny. I think he might have been like, cause in his, in his uh, recent interview with Thrash talks about, Oh yeah. People think like, I don't got any hair under the hat. You know, I think he might've showed included a clip of the hat falling off just to prove like, Oh yeah. It's not like a fucking uh, Brett Michaels type of thing. <laughs> Wait, Brett Michaels is going bald. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, you know, we're seeing without like the hat and that bandana. God, I just thought it was just like the look. It was just he was stuck in, you know, 1988. No, like um, I think it was in the the poison behind the music. They showed footage of him from some movie from uh, like the mid 90s or something. And yeah, so yeah, that that's like common knowledge. I think poison were poison were okay. Uh, they were no Motley Crue. Poison, yeah. I mean, they were kind of a joke at the time. But like, I watched a video of like a recent show from like their tour that they're on now, and like they fucking like smoked it, dude. Oh, no. They were like, like tight. They were tight as shit. I, I'm not knocking anybody in the hair metal genre at all. Like you had to be able to play, you know, I mean, there was a long line of people trying to get into those bands. So you had to be exceptional to be able to do it. But just like nobody can top Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood. Come on. Yeah, the crew. Um, yeah, the crew did some shit in their time. That's that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like the 90s did a lot of those bands wrong. And in retrospect, they deserve better than being relegated to like the whole uh, county, you know, county fair circuit. But you know what? Nostalgia revives everything. So shout out to all the hair metal bands for coming back or staying or never leaving, never leaving. Anyway, back to the uh, the Red Bull. Is it just me or does it feel like uh, the Red Bull, like Red Bull imagery on like his hats and things like that isn't as cringy as for, say, a lot of younger people? I think we've just gotten used to it. You know, it's just part of, part of who Tori is. Yeah, some of the Red Bull hats, it's like, they're like they just have like a flat brim with a big logo and stuff they don't look all broken in like jamie foy's like a five panel they always wear is pretty chill i think yeah we talked about this on the other part like there's ways of making like uh the logo is less less crazy exactly they don't always have to be cringe and you know but you know what tory pudwell has he has carved out he's carved out a really cool space for himself in skating and that's ultimately what everybody wants to do you know enough to be able to make a living still skating and doing your thing and uh, not have to compromise. And Jason, you're really right. Like he didn't change the way that he dressed. He didn't try to catch up with the trends. He's like, I'm just doing me. Shout out to Tori doing, doing Tori shit. Yes. Yeah, we all love him for it. Skate spots are skateboarding's most precious commodity. Some last for generations while others might only last for a moment. Ben Powell wrote for free skate mag about the politics of skate spots speaking to pro skaters, photographers, Instagrammers, and more about how they handle these skate spots and the squishy concept of ownership and gatekeeping. Jason, if you find a spot, do you keep it a secret until you get your clips? Listen, I'm, I'm pretty zen about it. Like, once a spot's out there in the universe, like, it's kind of just out there. You know what I mean? And this, this was going on, like, way before social media, like, even with, like, phones and shit, you know? Like the, like the information is going to get out there one way or another, like social media. Or so, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty zen about it. That being said, hypothetically, if I was filming a part and I had a bunch of footage at some secret spot, like I found some marble ledges out in like Amelia County or something, you know, or Nottingham County here in Virginia, some fucking place like that. Yeah, I probably would, um, you know, keep it a secret until after my video world premiered or whatever. Or... At the very least, if someone who is a friend like asked where they were or whatever, I'd just be like, "Hey, just wait until my part drops or whatever," you know, something like that. How about you, Patrick? Are you are you sharing? Is sharing caring, or are you 
keeping it close to the vest? I think it depends on the spot. Um, there was a DIY here in LA. There was actually, there've been several over the last couple of years that really made the rounds. And I have no problem with dropping a pin and sharing it, um, especially if it's in a place that is readily accessible by car, public transport, whatever. But if it's someplace that's a little bit more out there, much more removed, where you got to hop a fence and you got to do some maneuvering, I think I maybe would err on the side of caution. But, you know, I'm not out here filming parts. So for me, it's it's not really the same type of issue. Um, where it can get weird is if it's a spot that is attractive, not just to skaters, but say, you know, other people who are just kind of hanging out doing things. Like a spot is always going to get tagged up, is definitely going to attract graffiti heads. That's a whole other network of folks who have their own means of communicating and finding things. But then, you know, what about someone decides to throw, a, oh, I don't know, an underground rave or something like that, and something gets hectic, or a bunch of bored teenagers who decide to set fires. That's where the more people that you introduce to the space, the, the riskier it becomes, and that's where, that's where it can get kind of weird. And one thing I've noticed over the last couple of years is that, especially on Instagram, and on YouTube is that a lot of filmers are going for very tight shots because they people have gotten so good about using background details, street signs, a certain the way a shadow is cast on a certain wall, a building, a number on a, on a house to deduce where a spot is. And skaters have always been good at this. It's amazing that there's people who didn't think that you could use the internet to find stuff. Uh, if you know anybody who's like a low key internet stalker, they've been doing this for ages, but. Oh yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've found a few spots around here just by like triangulating, like exactly. either like either like the street sign or the building in the background. I mean, Richmond's a small town. Like you know, if you're from here, you pretty much know all the buildings and shit anyway. Exactly. So, like with regards to gatekeeping and all of the politics of the industry of photographers, skaters, and filmers, that's very very different, especially when a video part or magazine cover is concerned, because there I can understand. The frustration with a spot getting blown up and you not being able to have the the silence or the 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 peace that you need to be able to get a trick on or get tricks at a specific spot. Like it sucks when something gets blown up, but it's also I mean it's also kind of inevitable. That's how skateboarding works. You hear about something cool, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm a, I'm gonna let you cook. No, you want to get your crew and go skate it. Yeah, it's true. If I hear about a spot, I'm gonna I'm checking it out. That's why I keep spots kind of a secret. I'm greedy like that. No, yeah, but I've I've recently figured out that nobody wants to come skate like 15 minutes away from inner Portland, so I could like broadcast to the world where all my spots are, and still nobody would come skate them. Mm -hmm. And that might be a Portland thing because in LA, the because the city is geographically so huge and the county is even bigger, people will make the trek to go find something if it's cool or if they feel like they've got an idea, uh, they've got an idea for it. But what I liked about Ben Powell's article is him talking to a whole bunch of different people about, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Should people be really be running Instagram accounts that are um, filled with spot hunting? Like, Do you all think that that's fair to have that, to have uh, an Instagram account devoted to, here's a spot, here's a spot, here's a spot in a specific city? Yeah, I don't, I don't really think fair has anything to do with it. It's just kind of like skaters are like interfacing with technology and coming and like figuring out new ways to use it in real time. It just kind of like is what it is, you know. That being said, that like pair of secret spots on Instagram is crazy. Like there's so much shit on there that like there's like dozens of spots that if they were in any town, it would be like the best, the local fucking spot. Oh, yeah. The local plaza. 
I mean, and is- and he's not. He puts like a map, like a whatever, a screenshot of a Google Maps on there with like the with the nearest like a metro spot or whatever, which is really convenient. Yeah, that's super helpful for people, and also probably something useful. Um, and Ben talks about this in the article is sometimes spots are in cutty neighborhoods. And cutty means something different to everybody, especially those of us who are old enough to remember the 80s and 90s, where shit could get hectic real quick. I almost feel like it was crazier back then, spot hunting. Um, I'd say even as recently as like the early 2000s. Like, uh, unfortunately, the, the crime bill in the 1990s, basically, you know, things chilled out a lot because a lot of people got locked up here in the U.S. And, you know, we've all heard stories about people getting cameras jacked at Lockwood and places like that. What do y'all think about the public safety, uh, the public safety angle of this? Like, what's a best practice for people who are showing up to a brand new city with potentially thousands of dollars of camera equipment and potentially rolling into neighborhoods where you might get clocked as a UFO? That somebody would be like, "Hey, who are these? You know, who are these skate cats? Who are they? They don't belong here. Y'all ain't from here." Yeah, I, I mean, me personally, you can kind of tell if you roll up somewhere and there's like a weird vibe, you know. Yeah, you but, just have to pay attention. Yeah, you just pay attention to your surroundings. If it, you know, you can kind of tell if, if it's sketchy or whatever. That being said, if it's a super good spot, like um, I guess there's that one spot in New York, like the these banks and they go to benches or whatever, and some project or whatever, like you might want to fucking barge it anyway. Yeah, I mean, what about? I mean, like just thinking about um, say, I guess just thinking like we're all old enough to remember uh the peak of the crack era, late '80s to early '90s, where you know, it influenced the way that you looked or, you know, looked at being in a city and being in the world. Like you didn't leave stuff on the dashboard. You didn't leave anything out visible in the car. And it's interesting, like say somebody 10 years younger than us might not even think about that. And you can always tell, I remember a neighbor of mine left their um, brand new registration still in the envelope on their dashboard. Uh, it was a brand new BMW. I was thinking like foolish because quick smash and grab, boom, I got your registration. Now I can go use that for another car. Granted, it probably wouldn't happen that way. But, you know, that's the first thing that I'm thinking of because I remember how many times my dad's car used to get broken into when we were living in Yonkers, uh, you know, up until 89. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, back to, you know, to spots and thinking about the big question mark is the ABD. Does it definitely matters for magazine covers and definitely matters for enders. So then the question is like, what about, you know, just like uh, getting like a regular Instagram trick, something like do ABDs matter? Hmm. Well, well, they talk about it in the article. First of all, shout out Ben Powell for writing this article like you don't get that much like good interesting long form shit in skate journalism these days so shout out that guy but uh they talk about it in the article like but there's a difference between if it's just like you know me as a dude filming for fun and post on instagram and people who are professional skateboarders first of all people most people like the people that you probably see a spot, they don't even know the professional skateboarding is a thing like most people you know what i mean don't even know that's a thing it's just whatever like a like little kid show ever but like if that's like your livelihood then it's different you know like one good way to deal with it that i saw in um the article was i guess some dude some barcelona dude talked about how like you know gustav thomason found like some rail that was never skated and got a bunch of footage there and he if i recall correctly he consciously made the decision to wait until gustav's part dropped or whatever to post any shit from the spot which is great you know that's a really uh i think that's a really cool way of dealing with it or handling that problem but not yeah and i feel like yeah it's thoughtful and it's in that case that was like that was gustav's spot 
to share. It wasn't the photographer's spot to share. So it's like the photographer didn't didn't feel like he had a place to blow out the spot. So then this ties to like the whole passage in uh, in the article, uh, basically the the quotes from Bobby Puglio, who talks about for the average skater, fine, you can do whatever you want. But the second that you get into sponsored skateboarding, people who are filming video parts and making a living you know, that their livelihood depends on this. That's where I'll read the quote. When you become a pro skater and your lifestyle depends on that skill, then this stuff will become more important to you. And then it can become inflated so as to seem ridiculous uh, to anyone not looking at it from that professional perspective, end quote. So a pretty awesome observation from Bobby Puglio, you know, they're like, hey, you become a sponsored skater, you obsess about ABDs and about protecting your spots because this is going to be the different, uh, you know, this is going to be the thing that sets my part, you know, sets my part, makes my part stand out. Yeah. Right, I it's mean, a business decision. Exactly. Yeah. If it's a, if that's your profession and your job is to make cool video parts, I would probably feel differently. Like think about it. Like you're like Jimmy Page or whatever. Right. And you're, you're writing a new black Sabbath record. And so let's, let's uh, hypothesize that Instagram exists in 1973. And someone posts like all your riffs from the Zeppelin. Did I say Sabbath, dude? Jimmy Page did. Led Zeppelin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jimmy Page was in Led Zeppelin. I'm sorry, y'all. Anyway, let's just say, uh, for the sake of argument, Instagram exists in 1973, and someone posts like all your riffs from the new Zeppelin record that you're writing. Like, I'd, I'd be fucking mad, dude. Right. It's like a leak. Yeah. It's a yeah. It's a leak type it's, of shit. It's way worse than a leak. Now you got me thinking about something. Just like, bro. I'm in the studio with Led Zeppelin. Dog, you got to check this out. <laughs> My man, Jimmy Page is fire. Yo, peep this. Yo, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Yo, check this out. Yo, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. You know, I mean, I think it famously happened when Chris Cole backside 360, the love gap. Somebody posted it and just sent it right to the gram. Which... It's kind of expected, and I remember seeing um, there's a, a pretty weird-looking skate park down in Bellflower in L.A., and I remember a bunch of folks were getting ready to take photos and do a video of a kid who was skating the, the chain-link fence gap over there. I believe Josh Casper skated it in the Osiris video. It's uh, asphalt, chain-link fence over a gap, and then to the other parking lot. And the photographer was, like, low-key pleading with the kids. I was like, yo... Uh, you can get the warm-ups, get him just kind of, you know, messing around. But please, like, we're going for X trick. Don't blow it up. Don't make it hot. And I think he had to say that a couple of times for it to get through their heads. And yeah, I, I can see that how that can be frustrating. Who were the two skaters who were beefing about uh, the the ollieing the Wilshire handrail and skate stopper in front of the handrail? Oh, yeah. It was Clint Walker and Sharif Grady? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, that got ugly. You know, oh, yeah. There was a little... What was the deal with that? I just figured there's a little back and forth on Instagram or whatever, but... I think... Uh, yeah, Clint Walker was like, dude, this could be my cover. And then Sharif was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to post it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, I love. But Bobby Puglio brilliantly illustrated his theory right there. The second that skate politics, you know, gets to that point where you're thinking about a magazine cover, a magazine cover that... Uh, you know, might be the, the difference between you getting a little put on a certain trip or maybe getting a pay bump or maybe getting, maybe turning pro, I would get protective about it as well. That being said, I mean, younger dude was a teenager, right? Or, you know, just younger. Like, wh what were you going to do to stop him? T focus his board? You know, steal his phone? Come on. Yeah, he had not much to lose and lots to gain. So that's 
pretty easy calculus there. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, well, the main, uh, I guess, situation that they were, I guess they had to add like an uh, intro or something like to this article after the Louis Lopez cover came out. But I think like the main situation they were talking about was this dude, what was the dude's name? Like Chris Jones or something Mm -hmm. who ollied into that, uh, into the bank under the thing. Like if you're so can, first of all, if you like liberate a spot that's in the middle of a city, like, like Paris, there's millions of people, like there's not really much you can do, you know? Right. You can't expect too much respect. Like, and he cut the rail and tried it, couldn't do it. And then came back later and did it like, you know, a different trip. I I feel like maybe you get like a day or two grace period before like, you know, it's a free for all in, in a place like that, like where it's just. So like what, what was like the timeline? Did, uh, did the cover come out before the photo of him alling into it or what? Uh, Sure. I think the, a month after the article dropped in free, Louis Lopez Thrasher came Thrasher cover came out. Oh, okay. So that was after. All right. I mean, if you care that much, just like post it immediately. You know? Yeah. Or I don't know. Don't any do any of these magazines talk to each other? Or is that just a taboo? Yeah, oh, I doubt what? it. I mean, <laughs> I I would think photographers talk. Probably. You mean like like Thrasher and Free or whatever? Yeah. Uh, or, I, don't, I don't know. Or I would think people in Paris would know. Like I, I would, I would bet that whoever showed that spot to Louis Lopez is like, yeah, Chris Jones ollied into this. Like mm-hmm. he's the one that cut the bar. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's you know because back in the day, um, I mean even now in the record industry, for back in the day, Beatles and the Stones, there was a fake rivalry. They were actually were very good buddies. They all hung out. It's a small scene in London, but they always coordinated on album release and single releases so that they were never battling it out for the number one spot in the British charts, just as a gentleman's agreement. And I think a lot of pop stars keep with that to this day. You know, uh, a Beyonce's, you know, people are definitely going to be in touch with the Taylor Swift's and the Adele's of the world to make sure that the planets do not align with them releasing records the same week. You know, if you're doing it for a rivalry like 50 and, um, and Kanye did back in the day, that's one thing, but normally it's just like little friction, friction, as little friction as possible, and so that everybody gets their money and gets their shine. Maybe the skate industry could, maybe the skate industry could learn something from that. But I also understand, like you don't want to, you know, especially like, uh, especially the days where magazines were flying off the shelves. You definitely didn't want to give away what your cover was going to be or something that was going to be in your video. And yeah, like like I said before, like once you create a spot it's kind of just like out there in the universe and then someone finds it and uh gets a cover or post something you did before you get a chance to post it like that's not much you can do about it yeah you can't uh, un- expect unless too much, uh, uh, unless you're like uh you pull like a john alley allegedly and just like tear out the rail or whatever after you get your footage allegedly I mean, that'd be really cool if you just came through with like a bulldozer, <laughs> <laughs> like a backhoe and just like <laughs> crush just, up like, the spot. blow it up, get some like C4, just like blow it up. And then do it <laughs> you know, he's just like, what happened? I thought we we're going to film something here today. It's like, nah, man, spot got demolished. <laughs> Literally skate and destroy. Yes, exactly. One uh, other aspect of this article that I thought was interesting was they talked to Kevin Baikal, who's a you know, insane rail chomper. And his, his experience with spots is like the complete opposite where instead of people trying to keep it a secret, people are like 
trying to get him to come grind the you know their city's biggest handrail yeah that was kind of cool that guy came off kind of cool as shit in this article i thought that'd be cool i was like if they send airfare why not yeah i mean i've definitely sent rail spots to big rail dudes it's pretty funny like actually somebody grinded a rail that i discovered but it, it was like third hand got to him does that mean you get uh does that mean you get some partial credit I'm going to take full credit, but like I, I showed it to a filmer friend of mine. He showed it to the skater. The skater went to the spot with a different filmer and got the trick. So like basically my filmer friend got like a little bit screwed out of that opportunity. Filmer politics. Mm-hmm. Get it how you live, man. <laughs> well, I'm stoked that I don't have to deal with that kind of shit anymore. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? This week, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I'm really, really, really stoked on the Sergio Tacchini yard sale collab and the promo video featuring Saeed from La N. Shout out to Omarakai. Stoked on Oh, they got the guy? They got the yeah, guy they got from- Saeed. I met, I met him. I met him. Fuck um, out of here. Yeah, I met him. I was driving down, um, what was it? I think I was driving down Beverly. And I see this dude, big Mercedes next to me. And I look at the guy and, and I was just like, oh, it's Saeed. So I asked him in French. He's like, you know, is it Saeed? You know, like, you're the guy. And just like, yeah. And so we went right back and forth. And it turned up I lived um, and worked in the same neighborhood where um, they shot some of the exterior. I think the same hood that he's, he's actually from. So uh, cool guy. Like he's living the American dream. He's actually a, a U.S. citizen uh, or dual, a dual French and a U.S. citizen. And I think he's in a bunch of super nice, lovely guy. Uh, He's made it. He's, he's living the dream. Um, I'm stoked on uh, Yoko Ono, Plastic Ono Band. I've been bumping that record a lot recently. And, and I'm also stoked on CCS. Uh, Jason, what are you stoked on? I'm stoked on Venture Trucks, a uh, little hard goods brand out of San Francisco, California. Just set up some 5.8s, which are great. They turn really well. I set them up because I recently leveled up to an 8.5 board. So, yeah, stoked on those. A lot of the time in this segment, I'm on some Euro shit. This week, I'm on some East Coast shit. Stoked on the Sabotage Go Skate Day edit for this year. Big fans of them over here on this podcast. And stoked on a video by Boston guy, Tim Savage. You might remember him from Grace last year. It's called Brian, Brandon, and Will. Little New England video with Brian Reed, Brandon Westgate, who's, in case you forgot, Brandon Westgate's still out there doing it. And uh, Will Mazzari. And oddly enough, it's a New England video, but I think there's only like one or two eggs tricks in there. So, yeah, that's a good one for the summer. Also, stoked on a television show, uh, The Terminalist on Amazon. Pretty tight if you're into Navy SEAL operator type shit. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, I am stoked on a game called Rummy Cube. I'm not sure if I've said this on my stoked on before but it's like a number matching game good times you can play it with two people or more yeah again i don't get out that much so stoked on rummy cube and that's it for our show this week be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about in other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online jason where can the people find you you can find me on instagram at frozen carbonite on the twitter at Carbonite 1994 and writing stuff for quartersnack.com. Patrick, where can the people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks, on Instagram at Pikigongo, and also look for me doing some cool stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Templeton, where can the people find you on Bobby Bobby Bobby? Did you did you did you? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks.